right. Well, good morning. Great to see you all. Hey, my name is Glenn. Glenn Barnes, one of the pastors here, and I love to be together, all the kids and Spanish and English church together here on the fifth Sunday. Um, hopefully, you received some message notes when you came in, and kids, we also got a, a coloring sheet that kind of goes with today's message, so if you didn't get that, you can grab one of those um, at the door. We are in the third and final week of just a short little series called Gifted, as we are looking at the subject of spiritual gifts. All year long, our theme is the Holy Spirit, and what it means to not only know more about and learn more about the Holy Spirit, but to encounter Him in new um, and fresh ways. Our theme is Alive in Us. And so uh, the topic of spiritual gifts is, is a big part of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, and we will be kind of wrapping that up um, today as we talk about those things. But as we get started, I got to tell you about these two ladies um, named Katie Spots and Laura Decker. And both of these girls um, have a lot in common. Both of them are very brave. Both of them are a little crazy because they're very adventuresome athletes. Both of them love the ocean, and both of them became famous for these solo journeys that they uh, took on the ocean. So Katie, there on the left, uh, traveled across the Atlantic Ocean all by herself, and Laura literally went all around the globe. But here's the deal. For all of their similarities, there is one very key difference between the two. You see, one of them rode and one of them sailed. You see, Katie was 23 years old when she row, row, rowed her boat um, from Africa. You can see there the edge of Africa all the way across the Atlantic uh, to South America. It was a 2,800-mile journey. It took her 70 days, 5 hours, and 22 minutes. And she was counting all of them because it was a tough journey. Uh, her 19-foot wooden craft that you could see there was designed to handle hurricane waves, uh, hurricane winds, and 50-foot waves which she experienced. Um, she packed a half a million uh, calories of dried meals and rode for eight to 10 hours a day. Basically, she rode every day until her hands bled and she couldn't row anymore. And that was Katie. Laura, on the other hand, took a different approach. She decided that she was going to harness the wind. So in 2012, Laura became the youngest person to sail all around the globe. She sailed in this two-mast, 40-foot uh, boat that she called the Guppy, um, and she had some challenges. She had to deal with big storms and uh, dangerous reefs, a lot of loneliness. It took her 17 months to go all around the world, but she made it. And I'm just curious. Curious, is there anyone here who, if you had the chance, would do a trip like that? Anybody here would do a trip like that? Steve Steele, I know you would, yeah. So, some of you kids are like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, I don't think I would. I, maybe when I was younger, I don't know. Um, I don't think I would attempt it. But here's what I know for certain. If I was going to take a trip like that across the ocean, I know how I would do it. I would choose sailing over rowing any time. In fact, why do I bring that up? Because specifically, as we're talking uh, spiritually today about your service to God and your relationship to God, I have a, a question for you. And the question is this, are you a rower? Are you a sailor? A rower or a sailor? Is your service based on your effort and your strength and your endurance, just rowing away until your hands are calloused and bleeding? Or 
Is there something bigger than you? Something bigger than even your own strength? Something that gives you power and carries you along? Is there something, or better yet, is there someone that you can't see with your eyes, but you can sense that he is there? That you can sense that he's filling your sails and moving you along? You can feel his guidance and the effects of his work. Because when Jesus describes the Holy Spirit to a guy by the name of Nicodemus, who's just trying to understand the message of Jesus, Jesus explains to him the Holy Spirit using this image of wind. This is what he says in John chapter 3. He says, the wind blows, Jesus does, says, wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes uh, and fills the the early church for the mission that God has for them, this is how it's described in, in Acts 2. It says, suddenly, a sound like what? The blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were, were sitting. Because here is the deal. I just want to make sure we are all on the same page uh, with this. As Christians, as a follower of Christ, there are a lot of blessings to the abundant full life of following after Christ. And whether you have been a Christian for years or maybe you're still just checking things out, there's a lot of blessing that comes with following Christ. But don't let anybody tell you that there are also not a lot of challenges that come with following Christ. Jesus says it's a life of taking up your cross and following after him. We're called to be servants. We're called to sacrifice. We're called to be difference makers in the world. Jesus says that you are salt and you are light in a a world that is decaying and and is, is dark. We're called to hold back evil. Christians are called to stand up for what is good and what is right. You are called to put other people first, to put other people before yourself. And we're called to love one another, even in a room like this, in a church like this. We're supposed to love one another in a way that someone would come in and say, wow, those people belong to Jesus. And all of that stuff is awesome, but let's be honest, none of it is easy. So let me ask you again. When it comes to your service, when it comes to you following after God, are you a rower or are you a sailor, right? Are you just using your own strength, your own accomplishments to accomplish what God has for you? Or do you raise your sail to be filled up with the sacred spirit that moves us along and blows us along where he would have us go? You see, there's this great verse in the Gospel of Luke, and this is the very end of, of Luke, and Jesus is risen from the dead, but it's before he's really sent his disciples out um, to, to kind of make a difference in the world, and they're going to go out, and they're going to be literally world changers. But this is what he says to them in Luke 24, 49. I love how the Living Bible translates it, and it says it like this. It says, now I will send the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells them. I'll send the Holy Spirit upon you, just as my Father promised. But then get this. He says, but don't begin telling others yet. Yet. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And I love it that Jesus basically has to tell him, hey, don't even talk to anybody yet. Don't, don't go out and share the message because he's always go share the message. But he's like, don't even share the message yet until the Holy Spirit comes. Otherwise, you guys are going to mess it up. Otherwise, you guys are, are going to miss the, the way that I have it planned for you. 
So over these last a couple weeks in this series called Gifted, Steve has done a great job of walking us through some of the key passages on spiritual gifts. We said there's really four main passages in the New Testament on spiritual gifts. And today, here we are, one big church together, young, old, uh, Spanish, English, and all of us. What I want to do is just look in a very super practical way at what it means to actually begin to live those things out in my regular real life. Because sometimes... When Christians talk about spiritual gifts, I think they can almost do it with like this mystical approach. Like, I've got to find my exact spiritual gift, and if I don't, I'm missing it, and and I'm I'm not going to serve, or I'm not going to do anything until it lines up perfectly with with my gift, and we're so precise about it, and and, and we want to find our gift, certainly, but that doesn't seem to be the way that it is in the early church. The early church has more of this attitude of of, of jumping in and, and serving, right? In fact, in the New Testament, and Steve brought this up, in the four different places we see spiritual gifts mentioned, all of them have, have a different list. The list is a little different, as if to say it's not always completely uh, precise. And in my 30 years of ministry, when I've watched Christian people that are making a difference, making a difference in the world, making a difference in their church, in their neighborhood, whatever it is, I, I certainly see people serving in their area of spiritual giftedness. That's a big part of it. But I see people that have even a bigger vision than that to jump in and serve even beyond those uh, 21 spiritual gifts that are listed in the New Testament. So around here, we have this acronym that we have talked about uh, for years in our step three class that is all about discovering this something bigger. We call it discovering my shape, my my shape to serve. Because how many of you uh, remember this little video game? Anybody remember this? Kids, I want you to look at that and look at the graphics. That is cutting edge stuff right there. Isn't that amazing? You could do that for hours, kids. But the, the deal with Tetris, and I know some of you guys, even your kids have played this before. The idea behind Tetris is like apparently from heaven, God drops these little shapes down and you have to work and make sure that all of the shapes fit together. And when all of the shapes fit together, it makes this strong foundation and that is how you win the game. And that's kind of the approach that we're going to take this morning as we talk about discovering your shape. As we all fit together in the shape that God has made you, that's how we're really going to thrive and not win the game, but in this idea, win the game here uh, as a church. And so this morning, I want to talk about discovering your shape for ministry, the shape that God made for you to serve. And this idea is really throughout the scripture, but I'm thinking especially in some of those core passages that describe our identity, what it means to be a follower of Christ. Like in Ephesians uh, 2.10, which says this, it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we've talked about this a lot, but that word handiwork, it's the Greek word poema. It means that you are God's poem. God wrote down this poem and it's you and he sent you into the world to do good works. Now, I think a lot of us probably think, I don't know if I'm really the, you know, the subject of God's art design. That doesn't really seem right. That that's not the only place it describes it like that. The Bible says in several places that God is a potter and you're a lump of clay. And God has put you, molded you together into just the shape that you are. He is the potter and we are the clay. And so for the rest of our time this morning, I don't want this to be awkward, but I want to talk about your shape. I want to talk about your shape. And, uh, oh, shoot, I didn't mean that to be awkward. But if it is... Uh, 
let me introduce this concept to you. I think it'll make a lot more sense. And as we introduce it, we're also going to kind of trace the life of the Apostle Paul, who's kind of a case study that we're going to follow in this. And so SHAPE, as I said, is an acronym. It's not original with us. I originally saw it in the Purpose Driven Life uh, material. And the S in this acronym of SHAPE stands for unwrap my spiritual gift. For me to find the place that God has for me, I need to unwrap my spiritual gift. So as I said, Steve did a great job talking us through these. Um, We also gave you the opportunity to take some spiritual gifts uh, surveys or analysis. Hopefully you've had a chance to take one of those little uh, surveys and maybe have a better understanding of what your spiritual gift uh, might be. If you've not done that yet, there's actually a QR code that, that you can go online and do that. That's at the bottom of your notes. I'd encourage you to do that. Finding your spiritual gift um, is really a big deal. In fact, if I could be so bold as to say it like this, I actually believe that it is a sin for a Christian to not be actively pursuing and trying to grow in and live out your spiritual gifts. It's actually, it's a sin that God would give us something and we would just ignore it and and not chase after it. It'd be like someone who gave you this, you know, big, beautiful, valuable present or gift and you're just like, oh, I'm going to leave it over there. I'm not even going to open it up. In fact, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 14 that says this. It says that you are to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. I'll tell you what, this has been one of the most convicting things for me in this whole series. Because I've always, always felt like I know what my gifts are and, you know, I'm operating in my gifts. But am I eagerly, am I eager to grow in them and know them? I also think of, of Timothy. Timothy, who was uh, in personality, was kind of timid and, and anxious. His gifts and his call was to be a leader of a, the church, a pastor and a preacher at the church in Ephesus. But I don't think he was ever super comfortable with it. And yet still, Paul encourages him like this. He says, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God, that spiritual gift, which is in you through the laying on of hands. And so as we talk about this idea of spiritual gifts, like I said, we've talked a lot about it in the last couple of weeks. We're not going to dwell on it the whole time. But if I could add kind of two words to what I believe our approach as a church should really look like when it comes to this idea of spiritual gifts, these are the two words that I want to share with you. These words are word and wonder. What should spiritual gifts look like in a church like ours? I think it needs to be one that's rooted in word and wonder. Why do I say that? Well, because when we talk about word, we're talking, of course, about the word of God, or we're talking about the scriptures. Um, And every gift, whatever spiritual gift you have, is to be used in line with the scriptures. In fact, our church doctrinal statement, so this church is well over 100 years old, and our guiding document, our, our statement of faith, this is the very first statement in our statement of faith as a church. It says this, here at First Baptist, we believe that the Bible is the divinely inspired and inerrant word of God. So God inspired it, gave it to us. It doesn't have errors in it. It's the inspired word of God, inerrant word of God, and that it is therefore the final authority in matters of faith and practice. So in everything that it addresses, isn't it doesn't the Bible doesn't address every issue in the world but in the areas that it, it deals with it is the final matter of for faith and practice 
And here's the thing. This is not in our doctrinal statement, but we believe that not only was the Bible inspired and inerrant, but the putting together, the way the Bible came together was also done by the work of God. Have you ever been curious about how the Bible actually came together? We call it the the canon of Scripture. That word canon doesn't mean like a big gun that you shoot. Canon means it's it's the word that means the measuring stick where they measured the different books of the Bible and they determined these 66 books make up what we call the canon of Scripture. And no surprise, the canon of Scripture, the books that we have preserved, were not just thrown together randomly. They were not chosen by accident. The canon was put together, I believe, by the hand of God and really directed as God used people. So he used uh, books very early on, very early uh, in those days, that were consistent um, uh, and without error and accurate in, in what they taught. These were books, especially in the New Testament, that had to have been written by an apostle or by an eyewitness. They had to have sound theology. They also had to be accepted by the the early church as inspired, right? So these are things that, that, you know, they'd agreed on were inspired by God. And then these 66 books were confirmed in different councils and, and, and all that to say the canon, when we talk about the canon of Scripture, is closed. Here in the 21st century, 2,000 years after a lot of these books were written, the canon is, is closed. We are not looking for new books of the Bible. We are not looking for new revelations from God, right? God has given us his revelation, right? So we're, we're, we, uh, I think a bigger issue for us is to understand his revelation and to, to live it out rather than to, to add to or have some new or some fresh revelation. Why is this so important? Why am I telling you all this? Because when it comes to spiritual gifts, everything Everything from teaching to prophecy to tongues to encouragement to wisdom, discernment, faith, all of those things, they have to be rooted in the Word of God. And traditionally, Baptists, like us, are really strong in this. This is like our jams here. The the commitment to, you know, commitment to the Bible, that's what we are all about. However, churches like ours can also tend to lose sight of the other part of that, which we said is word and wonder, right? The truth is that anything we do that is good here, even if it's preaching the word, even if it's teaching, right? It's not that we're just row, row, rowing our boat on our strength. We need God's wind to come along and fill it up and to give it wonder so that the word would be alive, so that it would have power in the way that we experience it. And I'll be honest, sometimes that's a little different and beyond our control, and sometimes it even makes me a little nervous. But, but you see those things and you say, wow, that was from God. And that's what happens with the spiritual gifts. They're rooted in the word, but God's wonder blows through and fills them up in a way that he could work. And, and if you're, you're curious, is that the way it looks in, in the Bible? Listen to the way the Apostle Paul describes the way he thinks all of this works together. Because Paul was super clear on what his spiritual gifts were. Paul's spiritual gifts were he was a preacher, he was an apostle, and a teacher. He never wavered on those things. But in my life verse when it comes to ministry, this is the way Paul describes the way that he wants to live out his spiritual gifts when he goes and is a leader at the church in Corinth. So he's going to go and he's going to be one of the pastors for the church in Corinth. And I love what he says to them. He says, hey, when I came to you, 
I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. And you're like, hey, you're, you're, you know, you're a preacher and a, a teacher. He says, yeah, but it was not human eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. He says, I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in my weakness and in great fear and trembling. Apostle Paul, fear and trembling? Why? Because my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul's commitment was to word and wonder. And so to be most effective in ministry, it starts with unwrapping our spiritual gifts. And we spent a lot of time on that over these last few weeks, but that's not all. Just as there was more to Paul than just those gifts, there is more to you and there is more to me in our divine design. And so let's keep going as we talk about uh, this uh, discovering our shape. Because the, uh, the S stands for spiritual gift, the H stands for heart. And the instruction is to listen to your heart or to listen to my heart. Now, normally I'm pretty cautious about that kind of follow your heart or listen to your heart uh, kind of statements because they can be very subjective. But in the Bible, the idea of heart actually represents kind of the center of who you are, the core. It's your values. It's your passions. It's your interests. You might even say the dreams that God has put inside of you. We're told several times to love God with all our heart. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but did you know that your heartbeat, your actual physical heartbeat, the pattern of that is different than everybody else. It's unique to you. In the same way that your fingerprint is unique to you, the, there are certain things about our heartbeat that are unique to, to every person under the sun. And that's true not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. God has given you unique things that are in your heart. So let me explain this. When I was a young pastor, I remember I had a, an older guy who was kind of a mentor to me, and I still remember sitting across from him uh, having breakfast one morning, and he said this. He said, Glenn, he said, you need to always pay attention to the things that make you want to pound your fist on the table. He said, those things that, that just make you feel like that's not right, or that needs to change, or, or that's something that, that needs to address. What are those things that, you know, when, make you want to pound your fist on, on the table? And I've always, in my ministry, tried to pay attention to those things, because I believe that God puts in us things that, that fire us up, that are in our heart. And so let me ask you, maybe you don't think of it as like pound your fist on the table, but what's in your heart that's not right? that needs to be changed, that needs to be addressed. As a Christian, these are things that, if I had God's heart, these are things that I would care about. Do you have a heart for widows? The Bible talks about that time and time again. Do you have a heart for elderly or or for teenagers, right, or or kids or for people struggling with mental health or for refugees or children in foster care or babies in the nursery? Is your heart for people with special needs or is it to reach athletes or is it to reach addicts? I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people that God has just given you a heart for the church and you walk into a room like this and your God-given radar just goes up to see people that need a little love or need a little care. That heart stuff is put there, I believe, oftentimes by God. In fact, I got to tell you a little story about this. I remember it was just about 15 years ago when a guy in our church, he was here in the early service, Eric Larson, um, came to me and he said, God's put this, this thing in my heart um, for a sports ministry. And he said, I've been involved in a little bit in the past with this ministry I'd never heard of called Upward Sports. 
And he said, it's really, it's this amazing program. Church is hosted, and it's really organized. It's got great values, and, you know, it gives you a chance to, to, to share the gospel with kids and, and their families. It really can make a, a big difference. And he just was really passionate that, that our community needed this new sports league that was different than all, you know, the other sports leagues that were out there. And I remember kind of his hook to try to convince me. He said, and there's this church, I think it was in Turlock. He's like, there's this church in Turlock, and they have 300 kids kids in their basketball program. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, right. They're never going to have 300 kids in a church basketball program. But Eric was relentless on this. In fact, can I just tell you a little secret? I think when I originally agreed to do upward basketball and cheer here at our church, mostly to get Eric off my back because he was just so passionate about it. But right away, he found some other people that had that same vision in their heart that, God, God could use sports. And here's the thing. He got some other people. They had the heart for it. And now, not hundreds of kids, but thousands of kids and thousands of families have been impacted. And it all came about because one regular guy had a heart. God put it in his heart to do this thing. Now, in some ways, it's kind of a dangerous example to use because very few of us are going to be people that come up with some big new program or some big new thing. But here's what I want every single one of us to know is that the the point of the passions and the dream that God has put in you are things that you can use to serve him. In fact, let me just share this verse with you that when it comes to understanding God's will, I think this is maybe my favorite verse in all of the Bible because if you ever wonder, God, what's your will for me? What, what should I do with my life? Look, look at what Psalm 37.4 says. Psalm 37.4 is a great memory verse. It says this. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart right? So what's God's will for your life? God's will for you is for you to delight in him, for you to know him more, for you to know his word, to let him wash over you, to make room in your life for him. Because here's what happens. When you do that, God begins to change you. And one of the things that changes is your heart. And your heart begins to become aligned with his heart. And then he said, delight in me, and then go out and do what your heart wants to do. And God delights to do that. And so don't be shy and take those ideas and use them for the glory of God. What's God's will for your life? It's to delight in him. So what was Paul's heart? Paul's actually super clear about what his heart is, and it drove him. His heart was always to what? It was to take the gospel to places that it had never been before. Romans 15 says it like this. It says, it had always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And then in Galatians 2, similar idea, it says, for God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, in other words, Peter wanted to reach the Jews, was also in work as, in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. And so I find that so fascinating that even among the apostles, Peter's heart was to reach his people, the, the Jews, but Paul's heart was to reach others. And all of that worked together in their shape. I find that just fascinating. So what's your concern? What's on your heart for our city? What's on your heart for our church What's on your heart for the world? Maybe God put that there, not for you to think about it, but to do something about it. There's a little place in your notes to, to write that down. And as you do that, I want you to take a look at this video of some people who uh, God put on their heart um, to care for the elderly and the sick. It's a group that we call our membership care committee. And we put a little video together of what they're doing. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Steve Hockett. 
and I'm with the Membership Care Committee here at First Baptist Church. I've been with this committee for about 17 years, give or take a few COVID years. I just want to give you a little bit of an idea of what we do. When I first started, after the meeting, I went up to him and I said, Mr. Gehring, I have no idea of what I'm supposed to do, no idea of what I'm supposed to say. And he said, Steve, I see your heart. And he said, you don't have to do the talking, you know. He said, you go in and you pray before you walk into this place and God is gonna do the talking for you. And he was absolutely right. And I've done that ever since. We have a group of individuals that really have a heart for going out and visiting and spending some good time with people that are unable to get out and come to church on their own anymore. Most of the people are in um, nursing homes. Some are in senior centers and others are still in their homes. We generally spend a little bit of time just communicating, just talking. Um, one of my favorite things is to find out who they are, where they came from, where they grew up, their weddings, their marriages, their, their life, and uh, maybe their work. And it's just really interesting to find out who people are and what they did. Um, after that, we definitely will spend some time reading the Bible, maybe some scripture that they enjoy, and then a word of prayer before we go. We feel more blessed after leaving them than they feel. And I know I've heard that comment a hundred times. Hi, my name is Vicki Angeli and I'm part of the membership care team. I have been attending this church and an active participant since I was 10 years old. And a lot of the people that I have visited are actually people that watched me grow up and helped me grow spiritually by their wonderful examples of Christian living and service and their faithfulness and in teaching. One of my teachers in uh, Jet Cadets, which was a program in my preteen years, was Violet Fisher. And she, along with her husband, Milton, and Frida and Bob Michelson, they were just great leaders for us. And I had the privilege of sharing with Violet on one of my visits to her my jet cadet hat that I still had. And surprisingly, it did not fit anymore, <laughs> but we had such a good time and such a good laugh. And those are the things I have cherished about my visits. And then meeting new people is wonderful as well. And I just wanna say, like Steve has said, it blesses us more, I think, than it blesses them, but God is so faithful and so good. These people who had served me in my young life, I felt such a privilege to be able to share with them and be of some service to them in their elder years. And it truly was a blessing. And those are just an example. You bring your own self to the party. And, and that's what makes it so unique. You will find your way, definitely. And it's so worth it. So if you have a family member, if you have a mother, father, a friend, um, a relative that could benefit from this ministry, please let us know, and we'd be happy to talk to you about them. 
I love that. I love that. God's put it on their heart to, to do that. And as they mentioned, we're at a place right now where actually if you know people that would benefit from a, a visit, please let us know because we have people that would love to do that. But if you'd like to go and be a part of that visiting team or even a lot of them make phone calls, um, let us know. And we'd love to have you be a part of the membership care team. There's actually a, a little table out in the lobby. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking we're in that season where we're moving towards kind of the, the fall season where kind of things ramp up around uh, church after kind of a little bit of time off this summer. And I was thinking just about some of the needs that we have right now in our church. We need people that are open to helping facilitate a a community group to kind of help lead and guide a community group. We give you all the materials and stuff you need, but but someone that would help with that. We need people that are called to work with kids or or teenagers. God is bringing just a flood of young people into the church and what a privilege that is. And so we need people that want to make a difference in a a young person's life. Um, As the worship service uh, gets more and more full on a lot of Sundays. We need some new ushers that are willing to to get here and help people find seats and get seated. We need people that are willing to be kind of like parking lot attendants to help people out there. One of the things we've been working on is to to take the welcome ministry uh, out into what we call the welcome terrace, that area out there. And we need people that say, you know what, I could set up some tables and chairs and get here a little bit early and set up some games just to make that a welcoming environment. We need some folks to do that. I actually did it this morning along with Pastor Stephen. We're happy to do it, but maybe there's someone else who would want to, um, to do that. And maybe your family would want to be a part of, of the welcome team out there. Or maybe you want to help with video or technology, or you want to sing in the choir, or you want to help with landscaping. Maybe you want to be a part of the, the after-school program at Woodbridge Elementary School or, or right here at Millswood Middle School. And, and that list goes on and on. I just jotted down some things primarily that were in our church. The idea is that what God has put on your heart are things that we should chase after. Well, let's keep moving along here because the next letter in our acronym is A, which stands for Applying My Abilities. Now, when we're talking about abilities, we're talking about our natural or our learned skills that all people have. So these are different than spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given to us by the Holy Spirit for, for, for Christian people. Um, all people... Christian, non-Christian, whatever, have abilities and, and different skills. Some people are just natural with words. You just came out of the womb talking. Some of you are artistic or you have design abilities or you're good organizers or builders or musicians or you're a tech guru or you're a counselor, whatever that ability is. But God can use the abilities that maybe you've learned in your workplace or, or just something that God's always given you uh, to make a difference uh, for the kingdom of God. I love in Exodus 31, which is an Old Testament passage, so we don't always think about it in terms of spiritual gifts, but Exodus 31 says this. It says, I have filled him. God talks about these people that he's calling as he's um, getting ready to construct the tabernacle, and they need all different kinds of gifts to, to help put the tabernacle together. So he says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God and with wisdom, with understanding and knowledge, and with all kinds of skills or abilities. And this is what their abilities were. To make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of crafts. And we don't necessarily think of those as spiritual gifts, but God does, and God can use the abilities that you have um, to make a difference in the kingdom. In fact, the Apostle Paul, uh, he had a specific ability, a skill that he often used in his ministry to kind of help with things. Anybody know what was Paul's ability? What was kind of his ability that he had? 
He was a tent maker. He worked with fabric and sewing things to, to, to make tents and sails and those kind of things. And, and when times got tough, he would use that to, to help in his ministry. He was willing to use his um, ability. In fact, as we're getting ready to start school this week, I'm thinking about all of those teachers and all of those principals and educators that are scattered across this room. God's given you an ability. And this year, you can use that for his glory. Get in there and make a difference. Use that ability that God's given you. You're going to have some challenges this year, I guarantee it, but you can shine God's light in a powerful way. Next is P, which stands for using my personality. So I want you to do just a little test here with me as we're kind of moving towards the end here. There's a spot in your message notes that I want you to sign your name. Find that little spot, take a pen, and I want you to sign your name. Kids, write your name out, write it out there, and then here's what I want you to do. I want you to move the pen to your other hand, the one you normally don't write with, and I want you to write your name again. Write it just right underneath there. How's that feel? It's a little awkward, right? It's sloppy, it's slow, it probably doesn't look that great. That's how it can be sometimes when we're serving outside of our our personality. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, it says there are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. So that's speaking specifically about spiritual gifts, but it's acknowledging that God's made all of us different. And that's really true when it comes to our personality types. Some are introverts and some are extroverts. Some are are thinkers and analytical. Some are just kind of follow your heart kind of feelers. Some love routine, some love variety, some love to join a team, some love to lead the way. There's dog people and cat people, all sorts of crazy uh, different uh, personalities. Um, What was the Apostle Paul's personality like? Have you ever thought about that? He actually tells us a little bit in uh, Galatians, sorry, in Acts chapter uh, 18 here. It says, uh, for you have heard in my previous way of life in Judaism how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So if you read between the lines there, what was Paul like? He was an intense guy. He was zealous. He was ambitious. And that was his personality. And then he meets Christ, and his life begins to change, and his character changes, but his personality doesn't change necessarily right away. God takes all that intensity and all that zeal, and he begins to use it for the kingdom. And your personality is something that God can use to be a blessing to others. In fact, I just want to pause here real quick, because I want you to hear uh, from some people in our church who had some experience with this. And so I want to invite Stephen Rossi, there they are, and Zeke Aniano to come on up, um, and they are going to talk about uh, the experience that our high school students had in their recent mission trip. So there you go, Pastor Stephen and Zeke. Hey, well, first of all, good morning. Thanks for having us. Um, really briefly, you guys kind of prayed for us before you heard a little bit about the mission trip. We're on the other side of it now, and so I'll give you a, a, just a minute and a half kind of update. But we went uh, with a group of about 13, 14 students, a group of 20 of us with the adults, uh, to Bountiful Utah to support the, the work and ministry of Flourishing Grace Church uh, in Utah. And so what they were doing, they, they minister in, in an area where they are 
the religious minority. 80% of the people where they live are LDS Mormons, and so to be a, a Christian there is, is different uh, than what it means to be a Christian here or in many other places. And so we went to partner with them. Our kids worked uh, at the VBS here at our church, learned from different people, and then took that VBS, and we went and were the main ones who, who taught all the different stations at that place. And because of what we did, they were able to increase their numbers by uh, 50 more people than what they, they typically are able to accomplish uh, and about 50 um, LDS Mormons were able to join that, that uh, the Bible Adventure Camp that they called it, the, the VBS. And so it was really successful. Our kids did an amazing job at going and doing stuff. The coolest thing for me uh, that kind of ties in with what, what Pastor Glenn is talking about is our students are at this age where they're learning this different stuff about themselves. I mean, we all are to some extent, but if, especially teenagers are, are learning their personalities, their experiences, their shapes. Uh, and these students went... Uh, and they were the ones who taught it. So we saw these different students who were more upfront or more reserved taking on these different roles within the VBS and d- teaching from upfront in all the different stations. Um, and so it was really cool for me to see that we were able to, to partner with the church and the ministry that they were doing, but from uh, the high school shepherd side of, of things, for me to be able to see our students grow and use all their abilities and giftings there was, was so phenomenal. So one of the best examples of that uh, is Zeke, uh, which was, is why I've invited him up here. And so I have a couple questions that I'm going to ask Zeke and let him kind of respond to some things and let you guys hear a little bit of his experience in Utah too. So the first one, Zeke, was uh, how did you see God use you and your teammates uh, through this trip in Utah? Um, one of the things that I kind of saw the most was um, God was just working a lot in the kids um, when they were in certain areas, specifically speaking, uh, when, when they were in chapel and learning about the Bible, I really saw um, a lot of them were just kind of hungry to hear what what we had to say about that and that was really awesome because a lot of those kids did end up being uh mormon kids and they were able to hear a lot about jesus so i thought that was awesome but yeah yeah that's awesome uh, the second thing, and this is par- partially why, why I wanted you to share too, is, is there were some really clear applications from the trip. So the question was, did you learn anything about yourself in Utah or, or gain any confidence in serving there that kind of allows you to understand who you are and what, what it looks like to serve here more? Um, yeah, this, this answer goes a little bit back, but um, I uh, went to Hume Lake earlier this summer, and uh, inside of that, God touched my heart to... Uh, be more involved in uh, worship ministry. And I, I kind of felt that God was kind of tugging me in that direction. But when we went to Utah, I was able to um, be a part of the worship that we did, especially one night. But that kind of really just like kind of pushed me over the edge. I was like, I got to do something about this. Like, I know that God wants me to go in this direction. So um, that's why more recently we're starting to do uh, high school ministry worship, or trying to, but yeah. Yeah, so one of the things you guys don't understand is for the last year we've been desperately trying to get a student-led worship team in our high school ministry, and no one's willing to sing. Although we have a lot of musicians, but no one's willing to kind of make the, the bold step of singing. And on this trip, Zeke uh, was, for the first time with our group, he's done it in different situations, led our team in worship, and it was one of the most authentic, beautiful times of worship I've ever seen our high schoolers like sing out and worship God. And so um, Zeke's, Zeke's uh, yeah. Just him learning about himself and obviously with his legacy of his parents as well, but, but learning how to do that here has been so cool to see God use him and, and come back home and use those gifts and skills too. So anyways, that's our little update. Thanks for, thanks for listening. All right. I love it. 
You know, and those are people that took that risk to step out and to use what God had given them. Well, hey, we are just about out of time, but let me just wrap us up by talking about the final letter in our acronym. And E stands for examine my experiences. And so the idea is, along with your personality, your heart, your ability, the experiences that you've had, good and bad, in life are things that God can use. We say it like this sometimes, that God's going to never waste a, a hurt because a lot of us have been through some, some difficult things. You've seen a marriage fall apart. You've seen the struggle of a child. You've faced a health problem, all kinds of different things. And while you've gone through those things, there's all kinds of other people that are going through those things as well. And sometimes God can use those to be a blessing to others. And that's good and bad. And so the experiences that you have, God can use. One of our favorite uh, verses when it comes to uh, really any of these is Romans eight twenty eight that says this, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. One of the ways that God works in all things is turning those things around to be used as a blessing to others. Even when Paul is in prison, this is what he says in Philippians. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, and he's talking about being thrown into prison, he says it's actually served to advance the gospel. And so the experiences that you've had, don't be shy to share those with others. And so now as we kind of finish up this little short three-week series, series called Gifted, here is the number one takeaway. God has big things that he wants to do in your life. I believe that. God has big things that he wants to do in this church and through this church. And it takes all of us. It takes every single one of us coming together. You are gifted. You are called. You are invited to get in the game and see your relationship, God, grow in incredible ways as you begin to serve him. But here's the good news. No one is asking you to row across the Atlantic Ocean by yourself. You know what we're asking you to do? To raise your sail and to let the wind of God's Spirit begin to blow through your life and see what He wants to do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the power of your word and the the testimony of of people being used to serve you. And so we thank you for that. And I pray for myself and for my brothers and sisters all across this room, Lord, that you would just empower us to step out in faith, to serve you. Your church would grow and be healthy and strong because of those things, that the needs of our community and the needs of the world would be impacted because your people step forward in faith. We love you. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us these gifts. Help us to live in those in true and powerful ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.